Hey, listeners of the Bio Report, I want to tell you about a new member benefit from the California Technology Council. CTC has teamed with Reprovada to offer members six months of Reprovada's COT Network service for free, which gives companies the power of a VPN at a fraction of the cost. A remote, flexible workforce is the new normal, but most corporate networks aren't built to accommodate work from home at scale. Reprovada's COT Network offers an easily deployable, affordable, and scalable solution to securely enable remote workers and protect the corporate network. To learn more about this and other member benefits, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The emergence of immunotherapies has represented a powerful addition to the cancer arsenal, but frequently they fail to deliver benefits to patients. Understanding what therapies will benefit which patients remains a challenge because of the complexity of the immune system. Immuni is applying artificial intelligence to map the immune system and understand its complexities at a granular level to better understand its role in health and disease. It's applying what it learns to avoid clinical trial failures, improve combinations of immunotherapies, and guide future therapeutic development in cancer and a broad range of other conditions. We spoke to Danny Wells, scientific founder of Immuni, about the company's effort to map the immune system, the challenges in doing so, and how this has the potential to improve drug development. Danny, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be on the show. We're going to talk about Immuni, its efforts to map the immune system, and how it has the potential to improve drug discovery and development. I, I want to start, though, with some work you and the other founders had done around immune checkpoint inhibitors. What was that work, and, and what did it show? Um, yeah, so this was a collaboration that we undertook uh, with collaborators at Stanford, including Ansu Satpathy, who's a scientific co-founder of Immuni and professor at Stanford, as well as Howard Chang. And um, we had patients who were on a trial. Um, these patients had basal cell uh, carcinoma, BCC, and were being treated with pembrolizumab, which is an anti-PD-1 inhibitor. And very, um, very uniquely, very distinctly, we had a chance to uh, collect samples from these patients before and after they were treated. And we performed single cell analysis on those samples, which is where you're able to measure in thousands of different cells um, the state of that cell, as well as the TCR, um, which is kind of controls the affinity of the, of the T cells that we were measuring. And by bringing these two forms of measurement together, um, we were able to show that when you treat with PD-1, the T cells that come into the tumor that are brand new 
um, that are then responsible for killing the tumor um, hadn't been there before, that you have this, this de novo replacement of tumor-specific cells. And what's the significance of that? This was important because actually what people have thought for a long time is that the mechanism of action of these drugs, these anti-PD-1 inhibitors like pembrolizumab, is that it's going into the tumor and reinvigorating cells that are already there. But we showed that actually it's driving a whole new cycle of recruitment from cells that are probably found in the peripheral immune system, like your, like your blood. You were at the Parker Institute for Cancer Immunotherapy. How did your work there lead to Immuni? Yeah, that's a great question. So this project with, with Ansu, you know, we've been collaborating um, for many years, and we both really saw the power of these technologies um, to be doing single-cell genomics. And, you know, as I mentioned, we'd been um, working on this cohort, and there we had, you know, roughly 10 patients, and we had samples from two time points. So like 20 samples. And I said, you know, this is amazing. I want to be able to use this technology on many, many time points from dozens of patients on a clinical trial. So go from 20 to 200 and started talking with Ansu about this. And it was clear that that's not necessarily the right kind of opportunity for an academic lab. Um, the scale and the ability to really, really do it over and over and over again, where the first sample is the same as the 200 really requires a company. Um, and that was kind of where we had the, um, where, where we really felt the need in the space for a company that could do these types of approaches, the single cell immune profiling, best in class reproducibly uh, for, for hundreds of samples. You've talked about the need to measure the immune system at scale. What do you mean by that? Right now, there's, you know, it's, it's the golden age of immunotherapy, right? We've been trying to build cancer therapies that modulate the immune system for more than 100 years. And with the approval of these PD-1 inhibitors and CTLA-4 inhibitors, um, we're finally seeing that these drugs are able to, to create durable responses in many different kinds of cancers. But there are still like profound questions, like how do they work? How do they modulate, you know, truly modulate the, the function of a patient's immune system to, to allow that immune system or to help it kill a cancer. Uh, and that requires tracking the, the state of the immune system in that patient over time. And so that's really what I'm talking about is as a patient um, with cancer or potentially with autoimmune disease or other types of conditions is being treated with an immunomodulating agent, um, What's, what's really happening to their immune system? Is the mechanism of action of that drug really the way we think it is? Or is it potentially doing something really different, like what we saw with, with Pembro um, in the BCC? And so that's really kind of why I think it's so important that we be doing these types of studies in humans um, with particular diseases being treated with certain therapies. Oh, what are the challenges of doing that? What, what problems need to be solved? Yeah. Yeah, it's so when we're doing these these different assays, we're measuring for every sample. So we have dozens of patients on a trial. Each patient is having uh, blood drawn over time. So say we have three to five different samples, and for every sample, we're measuring thousands to tens of thousands of cells, 
And in every cell, we're measuring thousands to tens of thousands of genes. So if you multiply 10,000 genes by 10,000 cells by five samples per patient by 100 patients per trial, you quickly reach a number that's, that's really large, right? It's, it, it's easily in the billions, if not tens to hundreds of billions of measurements. Um, that kind of scale um, is, is really monumentous, being able to handle all of that data and being able to kind of keep it all in sync um, and, and to remove batch effects so that, you know, because the lab tech left a sample on the counter for six hours versus eight hours, um, that doesn't totally throw off these very delicate measurements um, of these genes that we're measuring. So that's kind of, you know, these are all the moving pieces that we're thinking about as we try to scale these types of approaches. Do you see the role of immuni in the discovery phase or are there other parts in the development of a drug where this technology has a role? I really see this platform as, as kind of being able to be used everywhere. I mean, my, I'm you know, uh, very biased. I'm, I'm kind of a zealot when it comes to, to single-cell genomics. But the, the first place where we see real, true potential um, is in the translational space. Lots of companies, uh, biopharma, biotech companies, have a molecular asset that they've done um, some characterization in cell culture or potentially mice, but we know that humans will respond differently and humans will respond really heterogeneously. Um, and so being able to really understand the extent of the variation between people in how this, that particular asset or drug is modulating their immune system is tremendously important to a pharma company to understand, um, you know, what's the variability of that drug and also to help find biomarkers to identify the mechanism of action truly of that drug because it could be different between mice and humans um but i do see it being really useful as you go into the preclinical and the discovery phase as well um as you're trying to test lots and lots of different drugs to really find you know precisely the the immune features that you want um and yeah to be able to measure that kind of with with really high granularity as we enter this age of precision medicine, it would seem it would have utility as a clinical tool. Would it help yep. determine a patient's response to a therapy or how to optimize therapies for patients? Yep, absolutely. Yes, exactly. You're, you're totally right. So I think precision medicine kind of historically, um, it's been a lot of tests that are based on the state of a patient's tumor. So precision medicine for cancer, let's say, um, requires doing molecular profiling of a patient's tumor. Um, and these are really important tools and they've led to important advances. But now we're seeing for immunotherapy that the drug is not just working at the site of the tumor, it's working in their peripheral immune system as well. And there you know, are some approaches potentially emerging to, to look at that. But I would say there's still a lot of work to be done to understand what do we need to measure to really understand, you know, uh, to be able to predict is a patient going to respond to a therapy? Once they're on it to predict, are they responding the way we think? Is it potential that they're going to get tox? Um, is it likely that, that the therapy they're going to develop resistance? I mean, these are all really critical questions where, where we can be leveraging these types of platform, single cell profiling approaches to be tracking and uh, monitoring these patients over time to, to figure these things out. Well, walk me through the process today, how you work with a, a drug developer how do take take me from start to finish? Do do companies send you samples or 
we really um, think of ourselves or want to be a collaboration partner for companies who are developing uh, who are developing drugs in the immunotherapy and the autoimmune space. And so, um, to start, you know, we would likely be introduced. Um, to a researcher at a particular company, potentially it's at a conference or because it's the, you know, they saw a paper that one of us put out. Um, and we would first start with just talking with them, what are your questions? You know, what are the real questions that you want to get after? Um, we don't want to just, you know, there, there's so much genomic data that's just generated without a purpose. Like, let's just run sequencing on it. We don't want to do that, right? We want to really uh, define, um, sharp, well-defined questions that, that maybe we work on together that we know our asset can help answer and they know that if we find the answer to, will help move their program forward. Um, so if we're able to get those questions, um, then yes, you know, uh, for Immuni, it's a vertically integrated end-to-end -end platform for single cell profiling. And so um, the researcher at um, the partner company would, would send us samples. Um, it's typically peripheral blood samples, um, so isolated immune cells from peripheral blood, although there's other types of samples we can work with as well. And then we kind of run our whole suite on it, um, single cell pro genomic profiling, surface proteome profiling for T cells and B cells, TCR and BCR sequencing, um, and then pushing all of that generated sequencing data kind of into our bioinformatics set of pipelines where we're running kind of our um, both public and proprietary bioinformatics tools and eventually into our machine learning suite to clean up all the data, remove batch effects, et cetera. Um, and then once, once all the data is done, it's been pushed through all of these pipelines. Um, data scientists and computational biologists at Immuni will partner with the scientists at um, these pharma companies to, or you know, at the pharma partner to really make sure that we're able to bring it home all the way to their question. Um, I've been working in, in translational medicine as a, a computational biologist for a long time. And, you know, my perspective, it's my perspective is that it's not enough to just deliver data. You want to deliver insight, right? You want to really deliver something that they, that they say, yes, aha, you know, this lets me help this, this lets me figure out the next drug to combine with my molecule, or this tells me that I shouldn't combine this drug that I was thinking about with my molecule or it helps me understand this subset of patients who are developing resistance that we want to, you know, help find a treatment for. So we're really trying to drive to the aha moment uh, with the data that we generate in collaboration with our partners. Well, the process returns a, a tremendous amount of data. I think I read somewhere that a, a vial of data, a, a vial of blood generates a terabyte of data. What is the end product to the customer? Is it raw data? Is it some actionable information what what does the customer actually get that they can act on it's some subset of all of the above based on the relationship with the customer and kind of what we've talked about um that could include raw data it could include process data um and it also could include insights so it couldn't you know we we have a really exceptional team of computational biologists and data scientists who are working on this data um, in, in partnership. And so it could be that, that one of the deliverables is partnering in the analysis here and really helping drive it home to a piece of insight. And then the deliverable there could be, you know, is, is plots, is results, something that could fit into a PowerPoint deck or a bioarchive preprint or a white paper. 
Um, so we're really, really flexible in how we work. Um, we do really like to partner around projects and questions, and then we're tailoring our output to um, for kind of maximal impact based off of um, what our partner and collaborator feels would be you know most useful. And how much of an issue is reproducibility? If you run the same samples through, do you get the same result? Yeah. Huge. I mean, huge question for the field. I think scientific reproducibility now is like this really existential question. And, and particularly for genomics, um, we've developed these technologies, you know, that, as you say, can generate a terabyte of data from, from a vial of blood. But is it going to be the same terabyte for, for a sample that you split? Um, we've put a huge amount of time to, um, to increasing the reproducibility of our assay. And that's really why we decided to become a vertically integrated platform, um, because we saw that it's not just about you know, the, the downstream bioinformatics. It's like a garbage in, garbage out situation. Um, we really wanted to control as much of the process as we possibly could, which is why we have um, lab space and we're processing our own samples, where we have uh, you know, very detailed, um, very careful SOPs for how we process these samples, for how we make sure that you know, sample one is the same as sample 200 on that side. And then on the bioinformatics side, um, we've invested substantial resources um, to develop machine learning algorithms that will help kind of normalize these samples and, and um, you know, um, make them help ensure reproducibility, right? So training a bioinformatics algorithm to recognize, oh, you know, these samples were from the same patient. And so these little differences we should try to normalize out or, oh, these are from different people. Um, so we should try to keep, you know, differences that we see. Amy and I talks about mapping the immune system. What utility would that have to what you're trying to do here? Yeah. So mapping the immune system to me is like when we think of a map, it's trying to find the landmarks and finding the landmarks um, in relation to each other. And I think with the immune system, it's the same thing. We have these landmarks, these um, shared cell subsets, the T cells and the B cells and their various um, subtypes that are important for many different kinds of diseases. And we know that those cells are interacting with each other through the release of, um, say, cytokines, you know, these hundreds of different cytokines. So when we say mapping the immune system, that's really the kind of knowledge that we want to build. Um, and in terms of how it could impact therapeutics, I think the immune system, to me, we're just beginning to realize how much we don't know. Um, it's this, you know, it's been studied for a hundred, for more than a hundred years, really, um, as we first understood how we could do skin grafts and do organ transplants, and now we're really realizing just the sheer complexity hundreds of cytokines and hundreds of different cell types. And we're developing these drugs that we're finding work in really, really different ways than we initially envisioned in the lab. That's the story with anti-PD-1. You know, it got all the way through to clinical approval uh, in dozens of different cancers, actually. And still the mechanism of action of that drug um, is potentially different than what was hypothesized as it's going through trials. So that highlights to me just the, the huge amount of dark matter there is in the immune system and highlights the need to, um, to study that dark matter and help bring light to it. And so hopefully by, by bringing all this immune knowledge together, we can say, you know, this particular cell type 
secretes these cytokines under these conditions, and that affects this other type of cell, and and really build that map out. Um, and if you're able to have something like that, then you can imagine being able to potentially study study perturbations to it um, in a computational way, and that would be really important for for developing therapies. Danny Wells, scientific founder of Immuni. Danny, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It was great to be on the show. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.